0: Wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler, and whoever staggers because of them is not wise. Proverbs 21.
1: Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions, weekly held about Christianity, the church, and beer. I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are you doing?
0: Uh, you know, it's rough. Um, Water polo is back this week, uh, but heat advisory. So again, we talked about how hot it gets around here, um, but we're, I don't even know if it dipped below 75 degrees last night. Um, so skyrockets up to 106, 108 each day. So we're under heat advisory. You may be sitting to yourself and you're thinking, why is it that the water polo team has to adhere to, um, heat advisory stuff? (laughs) Um, well, there's actually two reasons. One is, uh, for coaches. Um, we had a situation last week where a coach, uh, of a different sport, but, Regardless, didn't drink enough water, got some sort of heat stroke, and um, and ended up, like, face down in mud for, like, two hours, which – how did how was there mud? I don't know. Uh, so he uh, – so our district has been on high alert, making sure that everybody's taking the precautions. People are bringing water bottles with them and doing all that kind of stuff. But then twofold also know that um, – <laughs> Pools seem like a really good place to cool off, and if you're just lounging in them, yes, absolutely. But if you're working out in them, and uh, and our pools in our area are no longer cold. Um, they yeah, are, I can't
1: Mine is not cold they anymore. They
0: are... You get in them, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's like... Like, if you were in a bath, you'd be like, okay, I need to reheat this water now, but right. it's, it's not cold. Um, so, uh, for boys or girls to be working out in them for two straight hours, and they are really working their bodies, they're they're losing a lot of fluids um, during that process. They're sweating out a lot of stuff. So if you didn't know, you actually sweat when you're in the pool still. Um, so And there's something to be said about the
1: sun beating down on their head. and
0: Right, so we're under heat advisory, so that means I have to have... And
1: where we're at around here, the hotter it is, the air quality tends to be worse. And so there are air quality alerts where they will not allow high school or any kind of uh school sports occur that's not going on here but that's another thing we have to often worry about it's not happening it's
0: not happening right now but it'll once we get into like harvest season or if there's fires in the in the fall that we often have um we'll end up with uh where one our like cars are getting coated with ash and then um we're not able to (laughs) compete in sports or do anything like that our air quality gets really bad especially coupled with the harvest um when they're kicking everything up in the air and stuff um but anyways uh so it's a little rough right now i have to get up for practice because we're under heat advisory so i have to be at the pool at 8 a.m i know it's tough um so i'm tired (laughs) i haven't had an alarm in like a month and a half uh so It's okay. No big deal. I'm having fun. Um, But yeah, and I start work next week. I've got to go to trainings all next week. So I'm back in the swing of things. It's just summer's over. Wow. I know. Breaks my heart. (laughs) I know. It's so sad.
1: It's like six weeks and that's it.
0: Yeah. Well, um, good news is is that this new district that I'm working for, uh, they don't work in the month of June at all. So I'm like, oh wow, that's gonna be great. I'm gonna have like eight weeks, like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> I'm have a full eight weeks. So, um, but it's good. And yeah, I know six weeks off. It's been, I, <laughs> it's a travesty, really. Like, uh, how dare you? <laughs> well, hopefully, it, it. I do think that there is a lot of benefit to kids having time off and and getting around and just being kids in the summers and and getting into trouble and doing. I agree and with stuff. that for uh, sure. So if you're not feeling sympathy towards me that's okay but also do think about where it's like i kind of wish that the kids were able to run around and go be kids for a while um a little bit longer than always just having to be in school um i think it's good for kids so maybe not good for parents we learned that over covid but (laughs) you know um yeah so how are you doing tim uh not
1: bad uh works kind of a mixed bag I'm planning for football season which is always a bit of a grind it's one of those like monumental tasks and it just takes a while to get started and then once it does it kind of snowballs and you knock it out in a couple days but i'm kind of in that early stage of uh trying to get through it and then there's other stuff at work that as much as i'd like to be open and honest with our listeners i can't be so but it's just wearing me down and pissing me off so I'm very much looking forward to the weekend getting out of town
0: yeah because we're headed to san diego the whale's vagina to drink beer <laughs> uh that's a movie quote by the way please don't come after me um, for that we do say that we're unfiltered and i feel like we haven't always been or i feel like we've been fairly filtered on this show for the most part uh but uh yeah uh, that's an Anchorman quote. Um. I was listening to Dan
1: McClellan's podcast this week, and they were talking about... Uh, mostly talking about all of the different names of the apostles and who the apostles were. They even talked about a female apostle that Paul alludes to in Romans. Oh, yeah. They also talked about Jesus's name and all the different iterations and what it was... You know, it was was Yeshua. It was supposed to be like so. It's basically like a version of Joshua, but it was probably pronounced and spelled differently in Galilee and blah blah blah. blah. Anyway, somehow his he got to he got to San Diego, and somehow Diego San Diego is related to Jesus's name. And I bring that up because he made the joke about uh, contrary to popular opinion the name doesn't come from, isn't, is Is it it, it German? It (laughs) wasn't founded by the Germans. So he was making reference to Anchorman. And then he said, it's uh, actually San Diego and it comes from Jesus. I'm like, well, hang on. You like skipped a whole, like (laughs) 20 different dots of, of linguistic uh, dot connecting to get to that. I I, I don't, I don't think he's wrong. It just, it was like, okay, that was a bit of a stretch. You had me at like Ian and Iago and Joshua and even uh and some of these other names that he was throwing out that are you know, iterations of Joshua and then Jesus all throughout different languages and then he got to that one of like okay, I I don't get you at all there on that one.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm reading a a book right now. It's actually a fantasy book. Um and it's uh it's called Babel. Um and it actually Oh, I know that book uh well it just came out it's like uh oh it's a different book then yeah it's uh it's probably only like six months old okay it's a
1: different book i'm thinking of
0: uh and it's a lot of fun because uh the author i've liked this author before she's written uh she wrote this trilogy that i had read um that was really good um she's from she's a chinese history major um she's from i don't think she's from china i need to get her full backstory but um she's so she's a chinese history major she went to not it's not cambridge it's oxford so i was like oh man i gotta come for me (laughs) Uh, so she went to oxford and so she has uh she has this kind of this whole book is taking place in like 1800s oxford um with the height of imperialism for uh England and a lot in her magic system is based around um like real languages mm-hmm. um and so uh the English are trying to um so basically part of the conquering and it's and it's really good because it's a comment on on imperialism mm-hmm. and because there's like these kids that are being like trafficked in and raised as like british people so appropriation right um and then they're like stealing their their knowledge of their language to be able to use this as their magic system, and then and so it's kind of this simple thing where it's talking about how this language is power, and that's why it's named Babel is because of again and this uh, there's this building that's called Babel um, that's in there, and so it's been really interesting, and they also talk about uh, the origin of a lot of these languages and stuff um, as far as uh, the Chinese. Um, and so there's been a lot of syntax changing of words and kind of stuff. Uh, and I think it's she's relating from the idea of coming from trying to learn multiple different languages and how it is and stuff. So it's really good. Um, so if you guys are ever interested, this book's called Babel by R.F. Quang um, and it's really good. But it's just kind of funny that you're, we're talking about the definition of words with San Diego. Oh, see, Wikipedia says that it was founded by the Germans.
1: <laughs> Just, kidding. Just kidding. Look, I, I think I got that wrong because they were talking about James quite a bit too. I don't know. Whatever. I think it's a it's a derivation. It's, it's, Diego is a name on itself, not a de, diminutive or anything, as previously identified here as Santiago. So it's a derivative of James or or Jacob or Jacob. So. Oh, it
0: means Saint Diego actually. Yeah. I think it just means St. Diego.
1: St. Diego, but Diego is somehow a derivative of James.
0: Actually, I okay. think the definition, or I think the definition has been lost to us. Uh, nobody knows. Nobody, yeah. We, yeah. we were just trying to impress you. Um, you're right. I was scholars, just to scholars. Scholars are not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be there. We'll be drinking beer, having a good time. Uh, we
1: will literally be eating, drinking, and sleeping. That's all we're gonna do. <laughs>
0: Just so we're clear, that's my favorite type of vacation. Oh, that's I all agree. I want to do. I mean, maybe catch like a sporting event if I'm in like a cool city or something. Um, but the wave, it uh, like Alex Morgan won't even be there, so it's like you know, <laughs> um, she's at the Women's World Cup, so it's okay. I don't have to go see a Waves game. So, uh, and then why would I go see like the fourth best team in the National League? Like that'd be weird. I'm not gonna go watch the Padres play. <laughs> <laughs> Although, shout out to any San Diego listeners. I do love that your city has fallen in love with baseball since football left. It's been awesome to see. Yeah, it's that. it's
1: remarkable that city has gone all in.
0: Yeah, because you go down there, and everybody has Padres stuff all over the place, which is awesome. I think that's really great. I love baseball, so um, it's a lot of fun to see people get highly invested in baseball just because I'm over football personally, but not everybody is, so...
1: So we're going to drink lots of beer, but what we're drinking tonight will not be in San Diego. What are we drinking? Sitting here,
0: drinking beer, talking guys, killing time, living life with some No, this is uh, from Wayfinder. It's the original cold IPA. Um, so a buddy of ours went to Portland last summer, um, and he felt like he needed to swing back by this place. You just wanted to try their cold IPA and then asked them about it. And they said, no, yeah, we were the originators of the cold IPA, which is uh, the, it's a different way that they make the IPA where there's a freezing process with the hops. And it creates a really nice balanced smooth tasting ipa but also it can kick you in the britches because the abv still stays fairly high so it's it's almost kind of like drinking a session but it still tastes like an ipa so if you've ever had a session ipa it's uh it's light like that but it's still really good but we're only putting up about a 6.9 percent on this so
1: it's uh really tasty i'm a little suspect of the can of the art label the label art it, uh, I'm not sure if I'm nothing, drinking. No, nothing
0: that Hen House wouldn't have given us.
1: Something from the occult or a conspiracy theory. It's somewhere in there. There's a serpent and a sword and a trident. And I don't know. It's it's very weird. But
0: uh, Again, nothing that uh, Hen House wouldn't have served us either. Except there would have been a chicken on here. Uh, and then... Yeah, uh, so they're based out of Portland. Very, very tasty. Got a dank kind of flavor to it, in my opinion. Uh, it's not
1: as... Yeah, it's it's still crisp, but it's not as... Uh, it's got more flavor than cold-eyed peas normally do, with that yeah. dank flavor.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Highly recommend checking it out if you guys are able to find it. Free, uh, no, not Fremont. Uh, Wayfinder Brewing in Portland, Oregon. So, delicious. Uh music?
1: I've been listening to one of my favorite bands. Uh
0: The Jackson Five.
1: <laughs> the Doves. Although technically it's just doves. There's no the in the name, but doves. Is it
0: because is it are you listening to them because uh the new Mission Impossible movie is out, so, you know, like, the doves being released.
1: Like. <laughs> from the worst of the Mission Impossible <laughs> yeah. movies.
0: What's the director that just uh, the doves and everything? The
1: Ch- uh, J- Taiwanese, yeah, in all of his movies, he's got doves. <laughs> he also did Face Off with uh, Travolta and, oh, what's his name from uh, Raising Arizona? uh Shoot. Anyway, in that movie, there's a scene like the the big the big scene between them fighting. There's Doves in that movie. He 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 loves Doves. Uh, no, they're they're uh, they've formed in 1998 out of Manchester United, which I mean Manchester United out of Manchester, home of Manchester United. Uh, the Man- only
0: the only team in Manchester, if you ask. <laughs> if you ask some people. Uh,
1: pound for pound manchester might be the greatest music city in the world at least for western music it's phenomenal amazing how many uh musical acts have come out of there anyway doves are it's a three person band or there's three founders two twins and another guy uh very indie rock uh what i call studio rock it's a lot of a lot of layers a lot of different instruments that they're laying down i've never seen them live i've kind of been reluctant to see them live because it's so good uh it's another term i have for it is headphones if you got a really nice set of headphones and just tune out just tune out the world and listen because there's all kinds of stuff going on in their music it's a lot like pink floyd so anyway been listening to their second album came around out in early 2000s last broadcast it's spectacular uh You've probably, if you've heard their songs, it's probably it's been in a TV show or a movie as part of the soundtrack. Uh, but I highly recommend them if you like that kind of indie prog rock kind of stuff. A lot of, lot of stuff going on. How about you?
0: Uh yeah, so, um, sorry, I'm just I'm pulling this up because I just wanna. Uh, I think some of the times uh, people – well, I think we kind of forget where bands um, come from uh, or just they they came out on the scene, uh, they play a lot of uh, music and you kind of forget their original sound that made them popular because maybe they've morphed into something later on down the road and you're like – and you're like, oh, I don't really listen to that band or something. So like for me growing up um, or, for example, like the other day I was listening to um, I was this is random, but a friend of ours got in a car accident and I was making muffins for them in the, uh, in the kitchen and it was Sunday. And so I played Sunday Morning by Maroon 5, oh. uh, which is my favorite Maroon 5 song. And I love the songs about Jane album. Which is their first one, yes. And if you've listened to Maroon Five like since the "Songs About Jane" album, you, uh, and if that's all you've ever known about Maroon Five is like you know moves like Jagger or um, a lot of their their newer stuff, um, which is still good. It's fun. It's poppy. Uh, and I'd still say that if you listen to the whole album, like Adam still sprinkles in stuff, um, but the "Songs About Jane" album was. Very much that early thousands nineties kind of feel, um, and so those songs were just really great. So that was a lot of fun. I've been listening to them, and then I also did um, uh, the other day. I <laughs> I said this a while back that I was listening with, or I was listening to um, to Fall Out Boy um, because of the We Didn't Start the Fire, and so I went back to their original album. Um, That put them on the map, which was From Under the Cork Tree. And I was listening to it uh, on my way to water polo practice, and I was just like, man, these guys were so much more punk than pop when they first started because they kind of became the pop punk thing. Um, But I just, I was like going through their lists of of like lyrics. So it's like, our lawyers made us change the name of this song for number one of all the gin joints (laughs) in all the world. Uh, you know, sugar we're doing down, nobody puts baby in the corner. I've got a dark alley and a bad idea, seven minutes in heaven, sophomore slump, champagne for my real friends, uh, number ten, I slept with someone in Fallout Boy. so I could make this song. I was like, Golly, a little less sixteen candles, uh, Get Busy Living or Get Busy Dying. It's uh yeah, and I was just listening to it. I mean it's a forty three minute album from start to end. They're they're just little punk snippets, uh each about like three minutes long but i was like man this is like so much more punk than i think i gave it credit for growing up i was Mm -hmm. like i just like this and like you listen to the popular ones and stuff but when you listen to the album as a whole and that's what i recommend uh, when i was in high school my senior year and maybe people already do this but i think with all artists to get a full breadth of who they are and what they're doing you should listen to their entire albums um
1: yeah that's the problem with modern music is the albums have been discounted which is why i think it's great that uh uh vinyls come back it's kind of a pricey way for people to get into listening to albums you can still listen to them but if i think it's a great sign that there's a lot there's a movement to get back to people listening to entire albums there's an art to it the best albums on my top list are because they're like a complete itself is a complete Almost work of art where you can tell yeah. everything fit together. Like Dark Side of the Moon is an unbelievably tight forty-five minutes. It's almost like a opera where it's just telling the story and kind of flowing through. and And that's that's the way a really great albums should be. And the album, the that... more and more it became easy to produce albums with CDs and cheaper and all that. I think music companies got lazy. Producers got lazy in really driving the artists to make a nice tight album, um, and I mean one of the one of the great failed experiments was uh, Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion One and Two. If they, it's oh, two, yeah. it's two double albums. There's been a more. lot of crap on there. Well, there's a lot of just there's a lot of pure genius. Surrounded by meh, and if they had, if they had tamped that down to like ten tight songs, that might have been one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. Um. So I completely agree with you. you Listen to an entire album, and a lot of times you'll find stuff on there. You're like, this is better than this is the
0: best song. Yeah, exactly. There's uh when so what opened my eyes to it was I think my in between my junior and senior year, um. I had already said that I was a Mumford & Sons fan, um, but Babel had one uh, album of the year. And I was like, oh, I should listen to that. And so I listened to the entire album, and I think Babel really only had one song that was popular uh on like the radio and it was i will wait um and so that was it and but i listened to the entirety of the album and i was like this album was amazing yeah um and so from there it inspired me to because i remember as a kid we would buy cds and you would listen to the whole cd in the car um, and there's a story being told and, and works of art. Now, don't get me wrong. Not every artist does this.
1: No, okay. Lumineers are like that too. The Lumineers, yeah, I think, I do Lumineers a really albums. good, tight album. The first one and they so the songs that don't make the radio because they tend to be longer and they're just not meant for – are much better than the stuff that hits the oh, radio. Oh, yeah,
0: but, 100%. Uh, actually, the I got turned on to the Lumineers. So, Ho-Hey was really big when I was in high school. That was like the one that was like on commercials. It was in movies. Yeah. Um, but Starbucks used to – remember how they used to give out uh, mm-hmm. an iTunes song, and one song that they gave out was Stubborn Love, and it's like five and a half minutes. That is my favorite Lumineers song. Yeah, uh, It's followed by Charlie Boy like, shortly thereafter. That's the one about his brother that's like going to war um, stuff. And I've seen the Lumineers in concert. They're awesome. Highly recommend going and checking them out. Um, yeah, and uh, it's fun. Uh, it's great listening to artists and getting to know uh, – Rap music. If you're listening to a really well done rapper, they could be telling a story. Kendrick Lamar is known for this. Um, in uh the Good Kid, Mad City album, he tells a story. Every single song tells a story of what's going on in a day in Compton. Um, and so you, if you're listening to it, you'll see the day progress. Um, so like it starts off as like, um, like you know sun shining in compton this is it this is my attitude it goes to um he's going to go see this girl um he's hanging out with his friends um he gets jumped when he sees this girl and then it becomes he's trying to drink it off then he goes um him and his friends go to find these guys that jumped him and uh, one of their buddies gets shot and then it kind of concludes from there as to what is that and it's one day in all of compton um and it's awesome it's amazing if you like rap music i'd highly recommend that album um the album by kendrick lamar that's uh that's considered his greatest album he did win a pulitzer prize for damn but he gets a lot of love um for what um to pimp a butterfly gives and that one is um that one starts off there's a poem um that goes through it uh and so each stage talks about uh, this conflict that he's going through as a representative of the African-American community of kind of talking about how combative he was um, going through that. And then this metamorphosis that he goes through of being interested in like being just drugs, women, whatever, um, and then really kind of elevating above that, kind of going through this time where he's confused on what it is that he wants to be and then eventually coming back. Um, into the city and rebuilding um, with people from there. So it's a really, really good, um, powerful album. Um, so, but it's crazy. Like, you wouldn't know that unless you listen to it. So, like, people li- know songs from that album. They're like, oh, yeah, I love this song, but you wouldn't know that there's right. a story being told unless you actually listen to the whole thing. So um, awesome, cool stuff that happens. Um, highly recommend. One
1: more artist that's complete. <laughs> When you do some deep, when you go all the way back to their origins, Fleetwood Mac, first couple albums is completely different. It's a 100%. It's just a totally different band. Uh, It's, uh, I don't remember. It's one of the members who stayed in Fleetwood Mac all the way through with Stevie Nicks and what's her name. But uh, one of the original founder members was Peter Green, a guitar player he actually wrote black magic woman the version that you know from santana is actually a cover uh peter green's version is actually is arguably not actually but arguably better i prefer it it's different um and peter green is one of the most underrated and i kind of i think lost guitar players uh in rock music he's he is the one guy bb king bb king said he's the only guy that gives me sweats that's how good he is. Uh, was it was he died during COVID. So, uh, if you want to go back, listen to old Fleetwood Mac before they were who they became in the late '70s and '80s. Which I'm not disrespecting that iteration of the band. What they did was phenomenal. Uh, what's the big famous you album? Mean, Ru- no, rumors. Wait, you mean the.
0: You mean the team, or you mean the group that became famous in, like, 2019? That was when they became famous because of some dude with an ocean spray bottle, is that what you're talking about? Is that the band you're talking about? I thought that they were a 2019 band. You mean to tell me they were in the 70s? That's
1: crazy. Uh, Rumors is one of the great albums. So, uh, Steamy Nicks does, I have a, she's very easy to make fun of, let's put it that way. Sometimes she's a little too much of a Billy Goat. On when she's singing but other what's times my she favorite sounds
0: song from that rumors album oh
1: that's a good question i have
0: to pull it up my favorite song i know which one's my favorite i just can't remember the name of it i like the uh the one where uh they're doing the finger picking on the guitar uh it's like never going back again isn't that what it's called
1: Never Going Back Again. That's
0: my favorite one. I like It's that only one. two minutes. Yeah, but I love those two minutes. Uh, that's my favorite. I mean, Chains is good. There's great songs on there.
1: I do not like Don't Stop because it got ruined by politics in the early 90s. It was the song of the Clintons or the... Or Al Gore, I don't, and it's not because of Al Gore. It's just like it got played over and it'll over again. it'll soon be here. Yeah, it got over and over again. Uh... All
0: right, yeah, I guess. clean up on aisle five. Yeah, I guess we can stop talking about music. Do you have any other cleanups besides the one that I told you about? I don't think so. All right, Colton's cleanup. Uh, I think that. Actually, I don't even know if this is a cleanup. I mean, I, we said—no, I mean, like, it is a
1: cleanup. No, I'm chuckling because a lot of times this will come up, and I, and it, a lot of the stuff that's come up like this, we need to just come up with a different name because, like, it's not really a hot topic. It's not
0: really a cleanup. It's something else, so. Well, I mean, I'm just cleaning up what I said earlier, I guess. But it's actually—I've been challenged this week. I don't know. We had our conversation last week and hopefully you guys got a chance to listen to the last week's podcast. It was a good um, experience. I think that was the most Bible study-esque that we have been on this show. I felt like it was really kind of, as far as, I don't know if we've always talked about things that we're like, this is something that I struggle with, you know, in like the aspect oh, I of faith.
1: Bible study in that sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So I was like, this is what I struggle with in the aspect of this faith where I was like, hey, yeah. And so I thought about it, went home, and then I probably didn't think about it for the rest of the week. I was like, I went home, thought about it, and I'm like, mm. you know, grumpy, like, <laughs> okay, whatever. And again, if you if you listen to last week's, it, it's more about the the faith, um, and the spirit moving, and just that language that we talked about at the very beginning of that. And hopefully, if you listen to the rest of that podcast, we we or I felt like we m- moved past that and i was like yeah 100 percent. that's that makes sense uh, tim was making really good points um and i was <laughs> but i felt like at the beginning i was kind of a little shut down like I was like eh, you know i so, think we both
1: made it clear that or i made it clear for the both of us that the spiritual side of faith is not our strong suit and we're more intellectual in our faith and i still struggle whether or not that's a problem for us like it's a weakness in our relationship with jesus and sometimes i think that the christianity to use the the broad term christianity is bigger than that and jesus meets people where they're at either individually or where the culture's at and um you know the fact of the matter is Christianity's become a lot more intellectual since the Enlightenment. And so um, whether it's a reflection of the culture and Christianity changing... Because we've, we've talked about in in previous episodes about how in the third world, Christianity much more spiritual. Like, you might go to an Episcopal church here in the United States, and no disrespect to you Episcopalians, it's as dry... There's no, like, there's no spiritualness. I mean, well... Yeah, there's no spiritualness in service and stuff like that. That's not to say that you might be... You're not charismatic. You're not charismatic. That's not the case in the third world. Whatever flavor, quote-unquote, denomination you're practicing in Africa and South America in particular, and maybe Asia, but particularly the Southern Hemisphere, whether it's Catholic or Protestant, it is very charismatic, almost Pentecostal. Well,
0: maybe... And maybe that's prob- and I think probably what I have the issue with, and I think we disclosed this last week, but I don't think i I really wrestled it to the ground as well as I've been able to over a week of uh, I think my biggest doubts that I have about the validity of the moving of the spirit is coming from a lot of the charismatic elements that exist within a lot of church settings right um and where that comes from is from places like hume lake Uh, if you're unfamiliar there's a church camp um that's up on the mountain um over by where we're at um huge church camp they do a lot of great work um they have a camp that's in san diego they have camps in Couple of different spots around the world, um, and they give kids and military families the opportunity to to have summer camps and stuff. They do a lot of good work.
1: Yeah, this is um, an organization that basically services the majority of,
0: of California Baptist. Uh, churches. Well,
1: the majority of Western United States. Yeah. Uh, for Protestant churches. Yeah, it's when I was in when I was in a Presbyterian church. church as a seventh grader, we went to Hume Lake, so...
0: And it's... They run a really smooth, good program. Um, it's very well thought out. Um, they do good rec. They have great volunteers. They do lots of training with a lot of their volunteers. This isn't like a kind of sketch camp that you send your kid to for the summer. Um, they are highly monitored, and they do their jobs really well. Um. And so there's nothing that I want to take away from them. They even have like a Bible school um, that they have kids fresh out of high school go to. It's called their Joshua Tree um, uh, program. And uh, it's a good opportunity for those kids to go. And and they do a lot of street evangelism. Again, they do a variety of different uh, tasks um, to really – Uh, hone in on their faith that's where I met the guy I think we've talked about on this podcast before who uh, moved to uh, Papua New Guinea Mm -hmm. and was starting and he's going to live there for the next 40 years of his life which is insane to me Yes, I still can't wrap my brain around that Um, not because I love my stuff or anything here but just the work that he's going to be doing over there is the part that just make just is insane i just can't imagine which is so cool like it's a really cool thing but at the same time i i i couldn't do it right I, it's insane anyways um it's insane <laughs> i'm just like blown away every time i think about it i'm like wow and you don't think about it when you think about long distance missionaries that are doing that sometimes you don't really grasp it and but when you do you're like Holy hell, you are doing <laughs> some crazy shit over there. Um, but so anyways, this this camp, kids go there every summer. And so we see this really, and we talked about it last week, where there's this emotional high that happens um, on this mountain. And people get highly involved in it. And there's, you know, people are emotional. They're, they're crying. They're dedicating their lives to Jesus and that kind of stuff, which is awesome to see. And then as soon as that high gets taken away, they come down the mountain and nothing changes about their lives. Right. Um, and so that's always the hard part because we say that if, we're li- if we are doing as it was talked about in Lewis, our, face, our faith is not cheap. It's not, it's not this emotional experience and maybe that's why I relate to what Lewis was talking about a little bit more is just he leans in more to that idea of this is what our faith is um, and – We get down to these basics and this is where our foundation lies as opposed to being lying in this emotional connection up here where you felt in touch or you experienced miracles or whatever. But what happens if you don't experience miracles on a regular basis, right? That's when we found the Israelites who went – there were times where it was generations before God would do something for them. where it's like, okay, you're living in prosperity and and goodness, and there you go. And then that's when they turn away is because they're – but are we supposed to be a faith that is based upon miracles? Do we need to see the miracles in order enough for our faith to flourish? And again, if we're buying into what Jesus is asking of us, then no, right? Our world is this world where it's broken. We need to fix it. And when I say we fix it, I'm not saying that a person that's dying with cancer needs to be fixed of that disease. We're we're dealing with issues of the heart. We're not dealing with issues of the flesh. Um and that's the more important part. <laughs>
1: we Yeah, we might not even get to what we were going to discuss with the main topic because <laughs> well, No, th- this is what you're saying is good. It's just leading me to
0: Well, and so but I do want to say and why I started this was, I do still have to admit, though, because I was in church on Sunday, and we were talking about communion, and she brought up the cross. And again, I had to be confronted with something that I've mentioned on this podcast before, is that I do have to accept that there is a supernatural element to our faith. I don't know the workings of God at all times. I don't, I don't know. And again, this may have been what Bob was kind of getting at when you said that our pastor that was beloved for 25 years said like, I've never had this divine like mm. intervention or whatever it is. He can do that, but I have never experienced it. And so I need to acknowledge that it does actually happen, but it's just never happened to me. Um, And so I work through my, I continue to follow his word and his guidance and I am having faith in the fact that I am doing what I need to do without needing divine intervention um at any point and so that's a really um hard thing and again it's it is challenging for a lot of people because again a lot of people think well maybe like for us if we're skeptical then we're the doubting thomases right and like we're the ones that are like well we need to see the proof um behind what it is that you're saying when it comes to You know these miracles or these signs that you're seeing and that kind of stuff we want the proof and you know jesus says like it's great that all of you believes without having to see but thomas is like i need to see right but at the same time understand that there are those of us that are living our faith without experiencing this spiritual high or this necessary or this divine intervention connection and again as we talked about last week that doesn't mean that you are more godlike if that makes sense right that will, it doesn't mean that you're at a higher level of understanding of who god is or whatever you if you're in this drought it doesn't mean that you're not working hard enough to understand right. who god is or anything like that that's not what it is and so through that process almost you become the doubting thomas or that we the ones that are acting on faith and the fact that and i'm just saying it goes both ways and it's just we are the ones that are acting on faith and knowing that his promises and his and his mission are what we're working towards and that guides us as opposed to necessarily some intervention that comes from god because i mean like we said before we had that friend who believed that he was legitimately receiving dreams from God, and they were definitely conflicting with Scripture. Yeah, so it it can be a dangerous road where you step into that sometimes. So it's just be lear- be weary,
1: Leery. There's yeah, there's a balance. Look, the, if you're listening to us and you're not you're not up on all the different flavors of the church there's there are two extremes in the church there's on one side i don't know if this is a calvinist thing or it's just espoused by some calvinists but uh for instance john MacArthur has been adamant his entire career there is no such thing as charismatic as charismaticism in fact it is, I don't think he would go so far as to say they are not Christians, but there's some level of fakeness there that is not Christianity, that what they're experiencing is not genuine. And he bases that on an idea he didn't invent, again, it's been around for a long time but he repeats it and he's the one who's off the top of my head i don't know who originated this but there's a belief on that side of the church that there's the depiction of jesus ascending into heaven in acts and there's this charismatic spiritual moment and the moment that happened no it's not that moment somewhere in the book of acts there's this moment where miracles stopped was it miracles? Maybe I'm confounding two things. Anyway, speaking in tongues, which is a lot of times where the spiritual stuff comes from. He doesn't believe in that. And it ended at that, it just like happened once. And that was, that never repeated. Now care, speaking in tongues is just one aspect of being spiritual. So I'm being a little nitpicky but the other extreme side is speaking in tongues and being filled with the spirit in and being in a room with a lot of people spouting off gibberish and frankly acting a way a lot of us would think is bizarre and if you're in the room it's uncomfortable no disrespect to those folks but so those are the extremes and it's trying to find the balance in between And I do think, for those of us who've, who've, <laughs> I think the spirit has been a lot because we've become in the in the Enlightenment we've become a lot more intellectual about the Bible. We've bro- broken it down down to the verse where we come up with cockamamie theories based on one stupid verse. We pull it out of, and everything's just become how we think about the Bible.
0: Yeah,
1: and you've grown up on that in that experience whether or not you're actually spiritual not you're part of that. I'm part of that. There's people who I don't know, for whatever reason, they're just wired differently. They tend to be more spiritual. I will say this. We, as I've said, ad nauseum and sorry folks, it's gonna be a it'll be a regular theme probably on every episode yes we have entered a digital age we are now entering into not only digital age but an artificial age artificial intelligence etc i think the more we get into things that don't physically exist there's going to be a yearning by people to find some sort of connection to this lost physical and spiritual world yeah that has disappeared and so i wouldn't be surprised even in the united states 50 years from now the church is much more i don't think it's going to be charismatic in the way it has been the last hundred years i don't think it's going to be like speaking in tongues but it is going to be much more spiritual i think it's going to be much more more based on almost like a christian mysticism than it is just like this is what the bible says and i think it's all for the good i think i think i'm hoping we're going into an age that kind of the age we've been in has not been bad it has met the needs of the church and the and society and culture for the last four or five hundred years yeah but we need a new one and i think that new one's going to lead to a rebirth of our christianity and i'm hoping actually it will make take us back to a more mystic faith and not one that is so academic (laughs) which is funny because i mean you know what's more academic than even though we're not academics two people talking about christianity on the podcast but this is you know we're we're at the beginning of this but i'm hoping when I'm, if I live to be 70 or 80, I get to see like the, the turn of that. And my grandkids are living this Christianity that's kind of foreign to me. Um, but I might not, it might not, it might take longer than that. But I truly believe this kind of skepticism you and I have is I think both been, a lot of people have been, most Christians have been skeptical of. And where we get caught in the middle is if we're not, then we feel guilty about it. While understanding, if you get super, like what you were talking about, if you get lean really heavy into the spiritualism and then nothing happens, is like well, j- clearly Jesus isn't answering my prayers because I'm not praying hard enough and not being spiritual enough.
0: Right, that's always such a hard thing. Or
1: the other the the, the uh, uh, what's it called theological? There's something warfare. Uh, where it's like oh you know I lost my job today and satan's attacking me we should probably do an episode on this it's that that kind of conflict theology of like everything that's happening to me it's not because just the world sucks or actually I was an idiot and brought upon myself it's no satan's att- satan is under attack uh, attacking me or the enemy is attacking me I and that's where that over spiritual that so over spiritualization gets you there
0: I was like you're gonna I was like, on that podcast, we'll talk. We'll, Colton will get heated about <laughs> the enemy or the devil stuff that the the medieval times level yes. theology that we're implementing in our.
1: Now, I but to to what what started this whole thing? What you were saying, and I I don't think you were talking necessarily about this spiritually, but I will admit, there's been times in my adult life where I've kind of regretted like some moment where a friend or family members had some kind of acute illness of not, of just like stopping and praying and saying, you know what? I'm not going to hold it against you if you don't do it, Lord, but I'm praying to God, you'll heal this person. It won't take a doctor to do it. It won't take some medicine. You're just going to do it.
0: So, yeah i uh uh, i think that it's it's tough um and i mean and here's oh here's also i think that this is a good one um so i mean like we always do the tongues, we go after those people that are like i feel like those are and maybe there's people in charismatic churches, but there's people that would sit there and say that somebody else, I know somebody in particular where, um, like for example, uh, examper, example, example, <laughs> Joel Olstein's uh, church where people in fairly charismatic churches are still questioning. What's like the validity of some of the things that Joel Olstein says that he's witnessed or seen right. occur. Um, and that kind of stuff. Um, And again, just understand that that's how people are. Again, we're skeptical of this stuff happening where it's like, I prayed to God and then instantly like this stuff happened. And it's like, okay, that's awesome. That's really great to hear. What happens to the people that pray every single day and nothing ever changes nothing ever happens? Right. What happens for those people? And again, that's where people walk away from the faith because they are sitting there saying that you say that your God is a miracle worker and apparently he's working miracles for all these other people, but he's not working one in this person's life when they really need it. And if you just sit there and say, well, it's just not in God's plan during that time, how is that helpful?
1: Oh, that one. Yeah, I mean, now we're going back to like origins of the podcast it's just you know stupid things we say because we're grasping for like paint by numbers responses so it's you know well i guess it's not part of god's plan so okay so god's plan is to shit on me or ignore my 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 prayers
0: right because and so you're like well it apparently was a part of this person's plan that they got accepted into harvard college and then flunked out later because they were like (laughs) i was praying really hard that i would get that I would get accepted and I got accepted and then I just started to party my life away and and then never turned back to God for the rest of the time. But, but when they presented that in church, everybody clapped and was like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. God is doing wonderful things in your life. And it's like, well, that was obviously a part of God's plan, right? Because that person went and changed what they were doing and completely walked away from God. Like that was a part of God's plan as well. Like, you know, there's just
1: – well yeah there's the there's the it's a it's a kind of a trite little story but there's a nice cliche story that perfectly illustrates it where the there's two farmers there's a drought one farmer keeps praying all the time that rain will come the other guy actually goes out plows his field blah 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 and then the rain comes and the one guy gets crops and the other guy doesn't the other guy's mad about it and it's like well he actually went out and did something. You just prayed about it. And it's just this this lesson of Oh, there's, a, there's an there's even better one. There's one of, It's the
0: guy in the water drowning.
1: The guy in the water drowning. Yeah,
0: he's like he's like uh that boat, one's even better. The boat comes by and says uh says, Hey man, are you doing uh We'll pull you up. And he's yeah. like, no thanks, my God will save you. God's going to save me. Another boat comes by and says, hey, man, I, we're here to help you out. And he's like, no thanks, my God will save me. And then a third boat comes and says, hey, I'm here to help you out. And he's like, no thanks, my God will save me. And then he dies, drowns and dies. He ends up in heaven, and he's like, God, what the heck? I was drowning, and you didn't save me. And he said, I sent you three boats. Yeah, I sent you three boats.
1: <laughs> and so I think that's the – you know. Again, there's this tension of, I think, if, you're, if you are only think the kingdom of heaven is about you doing something, it can lead to you turning yourself into a, your own little God or you taking blame for things that are outside of your control because you're not doing enough. And the other side is you just sitting back and being like, well, you know, God will sort shit out and we just got to pray harder which I guess you wouldn't use shit and pray in the same sense. I don't know. Maybe you might if you're, but anyway, and it's somewhere in between. I think those of us, I, I, so going back to what you brought up, I think, yeah, it's probably a good thing. You got challenged. You're like, maybe I need to be, you know, lean a little bit more in on prayer or something. And
0: yeah. And I think that always prayer. And I think that this is a good spot where prayer is an element of our faith. And so no, it's I think the the good part of that message is that or end of that joke is one, God is always working in ways that we don't see. Right. And I do have to acknowledge that. Um, and that was the part that I was challenged with where I was like, you know, there is a supernatural element to our faith. But also, just so we're clear, that means that it's not It's not going to happen supernaturally. It's not like God's going to lift you out of the water and then just like teleport you somewhere else. Right. Um, It can be significantly more practical than you even realize. Two, and what you were talking about with the farmers, where it's like you need to go out there and do the work. But at the same point, it also doesn't, doesn't hurt to pray while you're doing those things. Right. So you go out there, you do the work, and you pray the whole time. It's – but don't make it – don't make what's happening contingent upon the prayer, if that makes sense. Don't sit there and say that everything swings on this prayer. Is that this is only going to – like you need to go out there and do what you need to do. And I mean like I – things happen because God allows it to happen. But don't sit there and think that you didn't pray hard enough or that your faith – wasn't what allowed for this to happen okay there's a lot of like this is one of those things that it's talked about in the bible is we believe that god is in control but god has given us free will and so there are a lot of things that are out of god's control if that makes sense yeah and so that's really hard for people to grasp is that but understand the broken world that's why jesus weeps for Lazarus. Right. Right? This is something that he did not want to happen. And so he cries. Right? Um, The man that's blind, like people believe that that was strategically there. Like God intentionally made this man blind for the entirety of his life so that way Jesus could heal him. Right. As opposed to just sitting there and saying that God and it breaks Jesus' heart and he sits there and he's like, this is not what we wanted for you. This is not what I and the Father wanted for you. And since I'm here, let me fix this for you. And again, that's Jesus' acknowledgement that the world is broken and that it's crying out for a God to come and save it. And that's the truth of our world is that there are going to be times where there are things out of, our, out of God's control because he has allowed for free will to exist. He has said, I want you to choose this. And he has allowed it for every single person. And so therefore, they have free reign. But he works with what you got. And so that's really hard and challenging for people to understand. And so if that is allowed to happen, there can be a lot of really crappy stuff that can go on in our world because of this free will. Yeah. Um, and so sitting there and saying, like, that's God's plan is just ridiculous. It's cheap. And like I, yeah, the grasping at straws is.
1: Well, part of that also comes, I think, because people interpret the the traditional, current traditional view of interpreting the Old Testament is to take things literally where you and I take it more as ancient people trying to grasp with the evil world they live in and how God interacts with that world.
0: But the hard part is still also remember, I think that that the confusing part for a lot of people is still that that one parable where the guy's like knocking on the door so jesus is telling a story about this guy who wakes up the guy in the middle of the night and is like hey i need this and he's just persistent and he's annoying enough that eventually the guy gets up and like helps him out with whatever it is that he needs right and so that becomes people's i that becomes people's battle cry of well, you need to annoy the hell out of God. So you pray with all your might and you do this and that's what happens. And he'll answer your prayers. Yes. But this is where I think that you need to turn to the Old Testament for that. And you go and you look at David and what he did for Bathsheba's first child. And where he wore a sackcloth and while the child was sick before it died, he continually prayed and wept and tried his hardest to make sure that the baby was able to live and yet it still died. Yes. Um, and again, acknowledging that, um, uh, which I think that there's still an element of people trying to do what you were saying before. And you're trying to answer something. So if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, was God's will that the baby died and that kind of thing. Um,
1: yeah, I think if there's a, a
0: there's a car there's a there's a that, view
1: yeah. in of inter there's a, a a strong view there's a view with a, a significant amount of Christians to view that as god in his infinite wisdom had the baby die and my view of that is one didn't have anything to do with the other um and you might say well david certainly did i think david's appropriately i haven't read this literal scripture so maybe i'm adding a modern spin to this so i apologize maybe if i should then we'll do a cleanup next week but... i think
0: the hard part before you go into it and just remember is that nathan yeah nathan gives him the prophecy that his child will die
1: oh so, that okay that's true so
0: i was like so i was like so nathan comes in and says your child's gonna die he also tells him like the stuff about his sons and like all that kind of stuff like there's things that are gonna happen um because of this decision right um And you will never see the temple be built, blah, blah, blah. But I also still – there's debate about that. I don't know if on this podcast like it will be like – Yeah, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. I was like, I don't want to go down there. Uh, Uh, There's a guy named Dan McClellan who would probably (laughs) (laughs) explain that to you if you want to go check him out. um, Anyway. Thanks for listening to the Go to Hell podcast. Show voiceovers courtesy of Eleven Labs. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Post your comments, questions, criticisms, or an invitation to Hades on Twitter at the Go To hell Pod and Instagram at Go To hell Pod. Email us at tim at go or colton at go Now go to hell.